This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny Episode 70. Today we're going to chat with Evan Green from Griffin Armament, make a prank call about unisex guns, and talk about my trip to Falcor Defense. Today's panel is Sean Heron and I'm Ava Flannell. It's so weird. I mounted that Chewbacca head to the TV and it's facing the other direction. So all I can see is this big furry thing like <laughs> sticking up over the TV. It's so weird. I know. I just keep thinking that uh, it's just going to pop up and look at us. I know. It's freaking me out. I don't I don't know why I did that. It's like a lot of the choices that I make. It just doesn't make any sense in retrospect. Like wearing, I mean, right now you you look like it's laundry day. Like you came in <laughs> just wearing like gym shorts and i'm just like uh so i was on the treadmill and then i was like all right i'm gonna go to the office and clean so i was like i'll just leave my gym shorts on i'll take pants to the office when i'm done cleaning out the <laughs> studio it'll be all right but getting back to my segue i make a lot of bad choices but i make good choices too my first one is uh working with manicor arms Also, you look homeless, so don't uh, even... I, so I was actually going to say that. I'm like, I don't really have... Yeah. Like, what, I, what is that shirt? What's going on here? I just threw on some clothes and just ran to the studio. I think she got that at uh, like Goodwill or something. Yeah, I think it's best that today it's audio only, so it, it works in both of our favors. <laughs> so Manicore Arms, they make a lot of products. Uh, did you did you see their newest... So they collaborated with SB Tactical, who oh, yeah. we're going to have on the show here uh, in the next show or two. And uh, they created the brace. Uh, it's the CZPDW. Yep, absolutely. I, I know a lot about it. I looked at it. I've actually seen it and held the pre-production prototypes and all that good stuff. It's going for two seventy nine ninety nine. But the important part is that Manicor Arms does a lot of OEM stuff throughout the industry. So whether it's their transformer rail and all the great stuff that they sell on their website, or you know some of the SB Tactical stuff. Manicor Arms has their their hands kind of all throughout everything, so you probably even, own some stuff. Yeah, don't even, even if know you it. even if you don't realize it, because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of things that he that Sven kind of dips his hands in that we don't even know about it. Yeah, well, sometimes like I just open the shower and boom, Sven's there. Yeah, so weird. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm like, you don't even live in Colorado. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, he's tra- just everywhere. Transformer rails, the Scorpion Evo bullpup kit, all that stuff. Uh, you can find more about it at manicorarms.com and. Use the code. I, no, they're going to pay full price. No, they're not. What? No, they're not. If you use the code GUNFUNNY15, that gets you 15% off. Do it. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm yeah, sure thanks for having me. I'm sure you're busy with like the holidays and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I don't like much of my family, so I'm not that busy. But um, <laughs> yeah, everybody's busy, I guess, this time of year. Yeah, and then probably with like Shot Show coming up and everything. I think oh, everyone yeah, in the industry that's total hell. Yeah, yeah. I can understand. So, um, for people who aren't familiar with Griffin Armament, just kind of tell us a little bit about Griffin and sort of how you got into that industry. So uh, the company was started by myself and my brother. We're in our mid-30s now. Uh, when we were kids, you know, we grew up like a lot of Americans that like guns, you know, with BB guns and pellet guns and then uh, rimfire rifles and stuff like that. Uh, started using silencers a little bit when we were kids, uh, but they weren't popular at all by any means. That was, that was before the Internet. So learning about things was basically done through your you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents and stuff like that. But then we, we just had an interest in guns, I guess. It was a mutual interest for me and my brother, you know, hunted a little bit. We, we grew up kind of in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, so it wasn't a place where people really had guns. It wasn't, there wasn't a gun culture there, but we just, you know, I guess found it somehow. And then, uh, fast forward, we went to uh, the military after high school, both of us. So we joined the uh, Army Infantry, and we did that for about uh, six, seven years and used silencers in the Army and then got out of the Army and did uh, protective security for the State Department for a few years with different companies. And we decided uh, after Hillary ruined that program <laughs> that it was best time that we leave, and uh, we just put our money into Starting Griffin Armament, you know, because we had used silencers for so long, we thought that we could do a good job m- making competitive products in this market space. 
And that's, that's been about six years ago and, uh, it's been going really, really well. So nice. What was the first product that you guys produced? The first product that we produced, I mean, way, way back in the day, our company's actually been around for 13 or 14 years. So we're actually, uh, one of the oldest privately held silencer companies now, uh, in the U.S., which sounds funny, mostly because there's been, you know, mergers and acquisitions, you know, advanced armaments sold to Remington several mm-hmm. years ago. Gemtech just sold to uh, Smith and Wesson. Um, so some of the older patriarchal companies, you know, have moved to, uh, larger corporations, but in terms of the, Oh, this product, it would have been probably a 22 silencer. Uh, that's where most silencer companies start their research and development. Yeah. Uh, j- just because the, the pressure is a much lower. So, um, you know, they can use easier to machine materials. Um, you know, the, the safety, uh, for the product isn't as big of a concern. Um, so it's a good le- learning point, which is why most companies start there. How different now are the suppressors that you make from the, the first ones that you made? Uh, I mean, it's really vastly different, but the majority of that difference has come from just advancements in modern machine technology, uh, modern tool pathing software, uh, modern CAD program systems. There's just a lot that's available now to people as long as they want to spend the money on it. I mean, machines now versus, versus then are quite a bit more expensive. I, you know, most people back then in, in the mid 2000s were not spending you know, over $200,000 on a machine. They were buying, you know, machines. A lot of the shops were running machines. You know, there were two axis lathes or three axis mills, you know, older machine technology that had been around since the eighties or, or earlier. Uh, and those machines are, you know, maybe they're worth like $50,000 or something like that. But today, you know, a lot of companies, you know, like the ones you guys listed, even in, in, uh, you know, some promotional stuff that you guys are doing like Manicore arms, uh, companies, that are really competitive in the current firearms market space are using multi-axis machines, whether they're turning centers or mills, uh, to get complex geometry parts, you know, often a limited amount of operations, you know, that way they can hold the tolerances and the dimensions, you know, accurate relative to other geometrical features on the part. Um, and they can more rapidly manufacture it. You know, the, the, the downside to that is, much more heavier expense in machines. You know, machines are costing two to three hundred thousand dollars on average. You know, for for quality machines, and then the tooling and the uh, associated software to run them can be very expensive and time consuming to learn as well. So, uh, but all of that means that there's just better products now out there for the consumer because companies that care, you know, companies who want to be competitive are investing all of their resources in it and. uh that's why you've seen, you know, the, the coolest products that you've ever seen in the firearms industry in the last few years. Yeah, definitely. What sets you apart from other silencer companies? Um, that's a, that's a little bit of a loaded question, but it's one that we, we get a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of times from dealers and buyers at trade shows and things like that. Um, probably number one is that we're a family company. Um, so we're not corporately governed by, uh, shareholders and investors. Um, so we're, we're, we're pretty easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can, we can rapidly move things around. We can adjust policies. If, if there's issues, we can do that really quickly. Um, so on the business front, there's a lot of benefits to being a small independently owned and operated company. Um, in terms of the product itself, uh, we've just done more testing than most silencer companies that are around today. Uh, just cause we've been doing it for, you know, like I said, 13, 14 years now. And the first probably six years was, near complete loss. You know, the company didn't really make m- much money at all. Uh, it just kind of subsisted because we were doing so much R&D, pouring so much money into R&D because if, without that, you just don't really have that great of products. You know, I mean, consumers are extremely, you know, intelligent these days when it comes to making purchases. Uh, you know, any any product that's over a couple hundred dollars, they're going to very, uh, you know, stringently uh, review and investigate. And so silencers nowadays that are competitive are going to be a combination of lightweight, durable, accurate, you know, feature filled, price competitive. And so, so silencer companies really have to hit it in every product category nowadays to really be noticed and, and to be well accepted. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What kind of, you mentioned that you do a lot of testing. What kind of testing do you do uh, before you bring a new suppressor model or caliber to market? Well, we've got a lot of knowledge base from doing it for so many years. So that helps hugely. 
I can't remember the last time in probably the last three or four years that we made a product that, that didn't work, you know, as we theorized it on the, on the drawing table. But I mean, product development really starts with, uh, what do, what do consumers want? You know, we're a consumer oriented company. And so, and we, we do do some LE sales, some small military sales, but the majority of the sales is uh, consumer. So we, first and foremost, we listen to what consumers want. And, and that's another benefit of being around for a while is we've got, you know, years of history of, of people emailing or saying, Hey, it would be really cool if you guys would do something like this. So, so it starts with the customer. Uh, from there, we say, you know, how can we do this, fulfill this customer request? You know, and then you go to material selection, you know, weight, size, uh, approximate sound performance. And then it goes into CAD, you know, computer uh, aided drafting program. From there, we use uh, finite element analysis, which is a tool that I think a lot of people use, I would assume, uh, where you can input pressure variables into the software to uh, kind of figure out the theoretical strength of the product before you actually manufacture a prototype. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we've done, you know, like metal laser centered prototyping. We've done, you know, CNC prototyping. There's all kinds of different prototyping technologies that are available, you know, and I'm, I'm sure companies use a combination of all of them. Uh, but we, we do some prototyping that we do testing on prototype units. Uh, if we, if we like that, we'll probably make some modifications. And then from there, we, we make what we call a production prototype, which is how we would actually produce the product in a production environment. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously laser printing, while it's a pretty cool technology, it doesn't lend itself to speed of manufacturing like CNC manufacturing does. Yeah. So it's, it's not really a, a modern viable. Uh, technology for mass production, uh, for cost-effective mass production anyway. So what we'll do is do the production prototype where we'll actually make, you know, several units uh, the way that we would if we were running 500 or 1,000 of them. And then from there, we'll take those uh, production samples and we'll put them through a, a, a battery of tests, uh, you know, sound performance on a host of different calibers and, and operating systems, you know, bolt actions, semi-autos, We'll also do flash testing with them and then, you know, sound performance. And then we'll do destructive testing uh, just just to make sure that, you know, the product that we theorized is the way we wanted it to be. Definitely makes sense. I, laser centering is one of those things that I'm like, oh, man, someday this is going to be amazing. Not today, but someday really soon. Yeah. I mean, if you go to like uh, international machine technology shows, you know, like like IMTS in Chicago, it's the biggest uh you know, manufacturing technology show in the, in the world, as far as I know. But we just went to that not too long ago. There are a lot of, there is a heavy emphasis in people, the big, the huge, you know, manufacturing companies investing resources into machines that can uh, do the laser printing or a combination of milling and laser sintering so that they can actually, you know, mill the part, laser sinter, and then mill the part again in the same work holding, which is pretty incredible. But yeah, that, that technology is just too slow and too expensive right now t- to want to put into a product that people want to buy for an affordable price. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if, if people were okay with spending $2,000 on a silencer, you know, then companies could make really crazy geometry that is not manufactured by other means. And, you know, you might be able to eke some additional performance out of the product versus what's available today. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's, there's a, there's a price point at which people are not really interested in buying a product anymore. And so, you know, you have to kind of hit that middle road somewhere, which is why the technology isn't used really. Yep. Definitely. Do you think, uh, because you're, you went into business with your brother and you kind of mentioned you don't really, you can't really stand your family, which I could relate at times. <laughs> is it tough working with your brother? So my brother is the person in my family who I get along with the most. Um, so, I mean, we, we actually have a pretty decent relationship. Uh, that was a little bit more of a joke, but I guess not. In, in <laughs> <laughs> well, I but, don't know. Cause I mean, family but, is tough at times and like oh, I said, yeah, I can no, completely relate. It's difficult. I mean, uh, Austin and I are both a type personalities. We both, we were both snipers in the army. We both actually went to the same sniper class. Uh, we both did graduate that class, even though the majority of the class failed. Um, so we're very competitive against each other. We, we competed, uh, with, in sniper competitions in the army together. You know, we, we went to contracting together. We went through the same contracting courses with Triple Canopy and, and, uh, defense contract companies like that. Uh, worked on some of the same projects. I, I worked on different 
different PSD teams than him. We were never on the same uh, security detail, uh, but we did. I did see uh, my brother on on venue sometimes in Baghdad and things like that. We've always been really competitive with each other. Um, you know, as it pertains to Griffin, we 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 fulfill different job roles. So my brother d- focuses on engineering and, and uh, project management as it pertains to the manufacturing environment, whereas I focus on the business development, the sales strategy, the marketing. Uh, stuff like that. So we have different strengths, which is nice. Uh, so we don't, we don't tend to clash, clash very much, but, uh, you know, it, it is a little bit interesting just because we, neither him nor I really have a boss. We're each other's bosses. And so we do kind of, you know, order each other around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I was looking around on your website. Tell me about your flawless bore. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, they, this go, kind of goes way back, but um, wire EM technology, and mm-hmm. we, we don't use it in every product anymore, uh, but we still do use it uh, w- where it makes sense. But uh, wire EM technology is basically a, a, a machine that, you know, has a, has a wire where electric current runs through a, a copper wire that's very, very thin, uh, you know, like maybe 10 thousandths of an inch thick. And uh, you, can, you can control that wire to cut a, like, a conical-shaped bore in a suppressor that's perfectly uh, relational to the mounting interface mm-hmm. so that, so that uh, even with weld warpage and things like that, you can have a, a perfectly concentric bore to the mounting interface. And that's important for accuracy, point of impact shift, things like that. We actually had an international military customer out for the last two days that was doing testing at our facility, and they had actually a very rigorous testing protocol for one of our suppressors, which was, which was impressive to me that they were doing their homework. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, and they'd visited several companies. They visited, uh, B&T in Switzerland. They visited some U.S., some other U.S. companies as well. But, um, I think they averaged, uh, around one inch of shift, uh, in like 10 different POI shift tests with the product. Uh, and they were really happy with that. So that's, you know, the, the, impo- the, really high performance attributes of a silencer that most consumers don't really think about matter to some people, but that's where, you know, making a, a, a flawless bore, but also engineering a, a nearly flawless product is important for some people. Yeah. Well, I was thinking but, wire, wire EDM is so incredibly expensive and precise that, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I was really interested because I don't think I've seen I can't think of one suppressor company that I've seen that uses that technology in some of their more flagship products. Um, there, there are a few companies that use it. I don't know if every, if people talk about it a whole lot. I mean, it's not a black magic by any means. It's the technology has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the machines aren't even really that expensive given some of the CNC machines that we have. I mean, some of the CNC machines we have cost more than my house, which is kind of sad and depressing, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But it's just, you know, you need, you need tools to do the job. But yeah, wire EDM is not, it's not inexpensive. It's not expensive. I mean, it's manufacturing cost is all relative. You know, you can talk to somebody who's, you know, has a, a crazy machine and they have to use very expensive tooling for some application that they're doing. And, you know, that makes you feel lucky, you know, if you don't have to spend as much money on your product. But I mean, there's, there's really no manufacturing technology that's cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one thing that manufacturers are trying to do, and I think a lot of the companies, you know, that are table names in the firearms industry space have, have done a decent job of this. And that's just automation, you know, integrating automation wherever and whenever it's possible allows frees up company resources that those companies that can then invest back in their workforce with either better benefits, more vacation, better pay for their employees, more profits in their own pockets better product development resources for better product development. So we actually use uh robot assisted uh, machines for like part unloading and things like that. So that the, the dumb operations, you know, people, humans don't have to do, you know, they can focus on using their mind on doing the smart things in the machine environment and let the machines do nearly a hundred percent of the automation. Yeah. Like uh, and, and I think a lot of companies are moving in that direction as, as the resources allow for it. Definitely. We're talking to Evan Green from Griffin Armament. We're going to take a moment and hear from Hackett Equipment. Ava, did you get something new? I did. I got their little Bertha two-pistol range backpack. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I love it. Like, I mean, for one, so it's totally my color. I like black, but I really like coyote tan. Yeah. It also has the, it's it's more like a backpack. It has like the two straps as opposed to that one strap. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it is pretty nice. Uh, I like the swing packs, but I also like backpacks. So it's like tough for me to choose between the two, but I, I definitely like the sling. Love the new colors. It's all the features that we've grown to love from Hackett Equipment and, uh, you know, with some upgrades. Yeah. And I just talked to Greg. They're selling out like quickly, like definitely. I mean, they're, they can't keep them in stock as, so, as quick. So can I get one or what? Um, probably not. This is bullshit. I know. Yeah. Greg, he specifically said that the bag was for me. So sorry. Well, I guess better luck next time. Yeah. <laughs> right now they have a bunch of holiday sales going on. So I would highly recommend look at their social media, see what sales they have going on, but just know that you could always use the code GUNFUNNY20 and -hmm. that gets you 20% off, which is an awesome deal because their bags range from anywhere from like $80 to $100. Yeah. And that's HackettEquipment.com, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, Equipment.com. All right, we're back with Evan Green from Griffin Armament. And Evan, I was looking at some of your pistol barrels that you guys are doing, and a lot of people are making pistol barrels these days, but I noticed that you have your micro carry comp on the end of that as like a thread protector slash compensator. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, so basically, you know, we wanted to do pistol barrels for a long time. I mean, it, it's, it's, it was really stupid that we weren't uh, as a silencer company because, again, that was kind of a product that was fueled by consumer interest, you know? Mm-hmm. We'd been selling pistol silencers for a long time and people were like, you know, I, I have this pistol sounds from you. I'd really like to have your barrel as well, you know, a barrel from you guys. And, and it was like, yeah, that would be nice. I mean, there's, there's no reason with, there's, there's no problem with running different parts from different companies, right? Like mm-hmm. the AR 15 platform has proven that, you know, that you can build a gun out of a lot of different parts from different companies. I mean, sometimes there's, you have better luck than others when you're doing that kind of thing. You know, if, if a manufacturer doesn't, you know, have a real, a really good understanding for the technical data package of, you know, a charging handle or a trigger or something like that. It it could not be that great. Right. Yeah, definitely. But, um, generally speaking, it's, it's fine. Uh, especially if you choose products from quality brands. So I thought that was just interesting that people wanted a barrel from us because I was like, yeah, there's already companies that make these things, you know? Um, uh, but we, we did kind of take it to heart. You know, we don't ever want to blow off customers. And so we started doing R and D and we actually did a focused R and D on pistol barrels for the better part of two years. It's so that we could get a solid understanding for how to make an, an accurate match drop in barrel. You know, we didn't want to just come out with a, a barrel that, you know, was, was average to shitty, which is there's a lot of barrels out there like that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. because we're like, Hey, OEM barrels are actually very accurate. You know, in our testing, we found that OEM barrels on average are very accurate. Um, and so, so if you're, if you're, telling the customer that they should buy an aftermarket product, well, then it, it pretty much better damn well be better than the, the OEM product. Yeah, for sure. You know, or, or, or at least as good. Otherwise, you're screwing them. So we, we put a lot of focus into that and, uh, you know, cho- chose a quality material for 16R stainless, you know, made really good match drop-in barrels. We did them a, uh, you know, a, a five-axis machine to control all the critical dimensions on the barrel hood relative to each other. So... You know, the, the first barrel versus the thousandth barrel should be perfectly machined the same way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we're not doing multiple work holdings. And, uh, you know, the result was super accurate barrels. They look badass. Um, they're priced pretty, pretty well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just nice peace of mind. If a guy wants to run a Griffin silencer, he can get the Griffin barrel, you know, and, and know that the company's going to back both products. The micro comp was a, was kind of just a kicker. Yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, we are a silencer company at heart. We do a lot of silencers, but we're also shooters at heart. Like I said, we were in the army. We did, you know, private security contracting. So a lot of the guns that we did use in our life were not suppressed. And so if I was concealed carrying or something like that, uh, it would be nice to have a compensator. We, you know, we were looking at the compensator craze at the time and, uh, you know, we were like, Hey, this is, this is interesting. People are kind of accepting compensators more now than they used to. And, uh, we just thought it would be cool to develop something that was a little bit unique, uh, mm-hmm. that, that didn't have as much of a, as large of a profile. Yeah. You know, that was, e- that was easy to install and that, and that worked. And so the, the cool thing about the micro carry comp is it only adds, uh, 0.26 inches 
So about a quarter of an inch to the length of a threaded barrel. So it, it adds almost nothing uh, to length. Uh, it's a very small profile in terms of carry. So for concealed carry guns, that's why we're focusing on like the Glock 43, the Glock 19. Uh, we're also coming out with a barrel for the P320 Compact, as well as the MMP 2.0 Shield, I believe, uh, in the in the near future. Uh, but we're also doing some full-size barrels for the Glock 17, P320 full-size, uh, and MMP full-size. But but I think the I think the carry comp is is really cool for the compact users, particularly my administrative assistant who's an awesome girl. You know she weighs 105 pounds maybe. Mm-hmm. You know she's very petite. She's five foot three. I want to say, um, not an experienced handgun shooter by any means, uh, but she's a great hunter. That's her focus. You know people have different focuses in shooting sports. But um, I was like, hey, would you mind coming out to the range helping us shoot this video? And she was like, yeah, that'd be cool. So she came out, but she shot like total crap. You know, it's not because she couldn't shoot well. It's just that she never really shot pistol. Um, but with, with the carry comp in a matter of probably 20 minutes of handgun instruction, I was able to get her to, uh, up to the speed to the point where she could double tap, reduce dip six steel at probably 15 yards, you know, with a Glock 43, uh, which it has a decent amount of recoil, mm-hmm. you know, due to the fact that it's a relatively small single stack nine millimeter pistol. Yeah. So the the product does work. You know, it makes it makes uh, shooting, you know, handguns easier for people that are not really familiar with them, and it makes uh, you know just better control and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not big in the compensator game uh, yet, but when I noticed that, I was like, oh wait, it's it's a thread protector, but it, it's also like that a compensator that's like. It's a great design. Yeah, I was like, is anyone else making that? I, I know, right? I don't think anyone is. I was just, I actually, so we're on the website and I was just going to order one, but the only thing is, is I don't have a threaded barrel for my Glock 42. Oh, man. And then I looked to see if you guys offered it and you don't, but I was literally just going to order it as we were, as you were talking. Yeah, we do not. We we, we might offer the 42 at, at a, uh, some point in the future, but as of right now, we're just sticking to nine millimeter barrels. Yeah, but it's, it's, an, it's an awesome design. When yeah, did, no, thank you. I appreciate it. When did you guys start uh, creating other parts? Like I see you make AR-15 parts and... and uh, so of- we started doing an AR- uh, AR-15 program years ago. We actually developed the uh, rifle series for uh, American Defense Manufacturing, okay. uh, if you're familiar with ADM. I've mm-hmm. actually so, got an ADM rifle sitting right there up against the wall. Yeah, so my brother developed the ambidextrous control suite for that gun, as well as you know a lot of the engineering for the rail systems and the, the upper and lower receivers and things like that. Uh, for that company. And so we, we did a lot of that. We did that work up and we, we, uh, I was also instrumental in that. We were spending thousands of hours with that company. It was, it was kind of insane. And we, we don't have a relationship with them anymore, but, at the, but we learned a lot about air 15s through, through developing that program for them. And, uh, it, it just came to a point where we're like, Hey, we should use that knowledge base that we've gained, you know, for our own company, of course. And so we started just pounding out products, you know, in the Air 15 market space. So we do our own uh, signature line of furniture, uh, our own charging handles, our own, you know, rails, uh, our own micro Air 15 sites, backup sites, and, you know, some other things. So nice. Very nice. And everything's actually, it's priced really well. Yeah, we, we have a... We have a pretty, pretty decent, uh, business focus in terms of, uh, you know, if we can't bring value and quality to the customer, then it doesn't really make sense to do the product. Mm-hmm. And that's just from having years of experience working with dealers in the firearms industry and, and basically just hearing, hearing them repetitively say, you know, if you can't hit these price points, then you shouldn't even try, you know, and, and what that, what that really forces you to do is have your hands in a lot of the manufacturing. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that don't do their own manufacturing, mm-hmm. which no discredit to them. I mean, Brent, taking on the, the capital equipment expenses of manufacturing is insane. Uh, I mean, it's just so expensive. It's not even funny. So you, re- you really have to have a dedication and, and, uh, be willing to suffer, you know, for, for a while to get out from under that financial burden. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in the long run, it does make you stronger. It makes you more price competitive. You know, you can control quality, you can control supply, you know, you can modify your production schedules, you know, if you've got, you know, one product that's hotter than another, uh, things like that, that you, none of that you can do with a vendor. You know, the vendor is going to give you whatever quality they want to give you. They're going to deliver it whenever they want. You know, they're going to change prices whenever they want. So that, that's why you see, you know, obviously the more 
competitive companies in the firearms market space are doing the majority of their manufacturing themselves yeah. in most cases. Well, first I have a statement and that is that, that, uh, the ambi suite on that, on that rifle is freaking awesome. So you guys should give each other a high five because cool. it's the best wanna, one I've seen. Do you want to kiss his ass anymore? <laughs> Dude, I actually love that. It's crazy <laughs> that you guys like built that. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, and that's really something well that we've never really talked about. You know, we, we, we didn't really have, I mean, I, I probably won't go into super detail on this. Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't really have a great breakup with that company. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so, so it's, it's like a bittersweet story, but, but I mean, the, the, the nice thing about having worked with them is that we, we did, we did learn a lot. You know, we learned a lot about ourselves. You know, I, I learned a huge life lesson, which was be careful who you work with, you know, be careful who you trust in business. And, uh, probably more important than anything, don't ever pour your heart and soul into someone else's dreams. Yeah. They're- you know, and, and that is, uh, something that you, you know, you, you hear these stories from other people in the industry. People, you know, I, I heard a story for, for instance, uh, you know, a person that worked at, you know, the most prominent flashlight manufacturer in the U S, you know, who, uh, was kind of tossed to the side and, and other, other people that have gone through similar experiences. A lot of those people, become entrepreneurs afterwards because they're like, you know, this guy didn't even do this work. I did this work. Yep. Why shouldn't I do this work for myself? You know? Yeah. And, and that's how a lot of the interesting companies that, that are really passionate get started, you know? But, but that was, that was essentially the story without going into too much detail. No, I get I could, it. Yeah. I could totally relate to that. I mean, we're, we're both self-employed <laughs> right? I'm and that's just because before that I worked for the New York Yankees and there was a million people that would work there for free. So they didn't give a shit if you hated your job or if you were working like 40 days in a row because there's, Hey, you quit. There's somebody just right behind you that's willing to take that job and for much less. Mm-hmm. Right. And the nice thing about actually being shit on in life is that then if you be, if you come into a position of leadership where you do own your own business or something like that or you're in a managerial position or something like that then then you know how to treat people exactly you know? yeah because i mean at griffin we have an extremely strong group of employees you know everyone's respected up up one side down the other you know it doesn't matter if they're the most technically skilled and highest paid person or if they're the lowest paid person like a janitor Everyone is respected. Everyone's a critical member of the team. And, uh, that's just, you know, a leadership mentality that you wouldn't have if you didn't, if you didn't suffer on the bottom at some point. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, for people that are working in jobs where they don't have quality leadership over the top of them, that's really not something that they need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always find another job and find better business leadership. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people and I know it's kind of going off topic, but, I talk to a lot of people in the industry all the time, you know, and right now firearm sales are down. It's no secret. You know, the industry is not doing ex- extremely well, uh, with, with, in terms of sales. And so there's a lot of HR shifts going on right now, but you know, I'm kind of some of my friends that are in those positions. I'm like, man, I, I, instead of looking at the negative in this, I would, I would look at the positive in terms of you get to choose your next boss, you know, because there are good people to work with. There are good companies to work with out there. And I would never, I mean, everybody's gone through that, you know, where they've worked with someone that they just can't stand. Yeah. You know, and I, I would never do that. I put myself through that again. Definitely. Changing subject <laughs> to, uh, dude, I'm with you. It's a hundred percent. Well said, mm-hmm. uh, changing back to suppressors real quick. Uh, let's talk about attachment mechanisms. Like what do you guys use? Why do you use it? You know, we, we, we have two different attachment mechanisms for rifle silencers. Uh, we have what we call a gate lock system that goes on our, like kind of more military, uh, styled products. Uh, the M4ST2, M4STK, uh, 30SD. We're actually coming out with a 30SDK. Uh, haven't actually announced that yet, but I just did. You just did. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but so the gate lock product is, is really cool, uh, in that it's one of the fastest, uh, most robust mounting systems on the market. It doesn't have any ratcheting, like wear prone mechanical geometry that a lot of, mounts have, mm-hmm. but it still gives you that QD lock. And so that's one product. Uh, and we offer, um, you know, a multitude of different muzzle device options. I guess when you, your earlier question to answer that better, you know, what sets you guys apart? One of the huge things that sets apart in the silencer space, uh, you know, Griffin versus other companies is that we produce more muzzle device options than any other company. Mm-hmm. 
So for, for customers that, that like muzzle devices and, and kind of taking their pick, we have a plethora of different options, you know, compensators, muzzle brakes, flash hiders. The majority of companies for the longest time were only producing muzzle brakes and flash hiders, which is fine, you know. Um, but like I said, having been in the military and stuff like that, we were more interested with muzzle neutrality. So we were, we were kind of more interested in compensators than we were flash hiders or brakes. Yeah. So we, we, we were the first company that really developed really nice, uh, compensators, you know, hybrid comps for silencers, uh, which, which I guess would be an earmark there. And, uh, and we've just gone deeper into it and we're actually releasing a, a few new muzzle devices too, just around the corner. But so we have the gate lock series. That's one. And then we have the Tabor mount series. The Tabor mounts sell probably four to one versus the gate lock, just because the gate lock is, is, you know, more of a tactical product and not everybody that has guns is a tactical user. You right. know, there's a lot of people that hunt. There's a lot of people that, you know, target shoot. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have lever actions or whatever. Right. So, you know, the AR 15, while it's a great weapon system and stuff like that, and everybody, every American should have one just for, purposes of freedom. It's, it's not 90% of guns out there. Um, so the taper mount is really popular and, and it's a relatively simple system. You know, it's a thread over a taper, uh, but we've produced tens of thousands of muzzle devices uh, of taper mounts, uh, you know, and thousands and thousands of silencers. And uh, we have like a less than 1% return rate on the, on those products. So, I mean, you know, they've held up to years of, field abuse and service by customers. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So the taper mount is basically, you know, you've got the muzzle device and then you just screw the can on direct thread or not direct thread, but you screw the can on to that. Yeah. Over the threads. And then the, the taper on the muzzle device, you know, aligns with the taper on the silencer that locks it up, that, that puts it concentric into concentricity, you know, true with the bore of the, of the rifle. It's a solid lockup. You know, it's simple. It doesn't have the wear prone mechanisms or, or, failures to lock like mm-hmm. some cutie systems have had in the industry. So it's, it's simple. I think, I think when we first brought it out, we brought it out and I think it was like 2008 or nine, I want to say, uh, when, when we first brought it out, there was a lot of people that were like, you know, how is that going to stay on, you know, the gun, there's no lock on that system, you know, and we were like, it works, you know, and, and I was actually talking about this with my brother yesterday because this international military customer was interested in a taper lock suppressor. And, and I was like, you know, it only took about five years for people to have confidence in it. But I mean, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes that's what needs to happen, you know, is that you just have to sell units and you have to get time under you for people to trust the system. I mean, even, even Glock was very much, you know, not a trusted pistol, you know, during Glock Gen 1 and even Gen 2. You know, it wasn't until Glock got out the Gen 3 and had, and had a lot of units underneath their belt you know, before people really started having faith in the Glock pistol. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Know. Adoption by law enforcement, stuff like that as well. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk real quick about like publishing decibel reduction numbers. And uh, from a lot of the guys that we talk to in the suppressor industry, um, a lot of them just kind of think that most of it's bullshit. But like, how do you how do you measure? How do you measure effectively? Does it really matter? And do people lie about it? So... The, the, probably the biggest things with, with, uh, publishing decibel numbers is that there's no, there's no real industry standard for it. You know, there was a long, there was up till a couple years ago, a pretty decent standard. You know, there, people needed to use mill standard meters. So meters that were capable of measuring to the military standard. And then there was also, uh, determined locations. And then there was, and then not only that, uh, but, but the industry as a whole, started keying off each other and started using the same platforms. So let's say you were testing a five, six silencer. People started saying like, Hey, let's just test five or six silencers with 16 inch ARs, you know, because if you test a 12 inch air versus a 16 inch air, mm-hmm. 12 inch air is going to be louder than the 16. So the numbers aren't going to be com- comparable. You know, the more you can control in testing, obviously the better the results, the more you can interpret the results. Right. Yeah. So, Industry people started saying, okay, on, on 308s, we're going to use 20 inch bolt guns. On AR 15s, we're going to use 16 inch AR 15s. And then they were also kind of agreeing on universal ammunition types to use. So like Winchester white box was used for pistol silencer testing, you know, and M855 was used to test 556 cans. So, so if you, if you actually look back, 
you know, more than two years ago, the, the sound testing that was being done in the industry was actually much more consistent because people were basically just playing nice with each other more, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and being fair with testing. But then, but then as more silencer companies got involved and marketing became more powerful and, 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 uh, you know, technical discussions became less powerful, you know, in the age of social media, people just started doing basically whatever they wanted to make their product look better. And that's why you have now some, some pistol silencers. Actually, a lot of pistol silencers are being sound tested with like minus P, you know, underloaded. Uh, specialty ammo like uh, Freedom Munitions 165 Hush. Yeah, yeah, which, exactly. Which is a, which is a cool ammo for sure, and it's very quiet. But it's like uh, unless unless the industry standardizes on ammo and stuff like that and platforms, then it's really hard to compare numbers. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and not just that, but like environmental, like uh, altitude, humidity. All that stuff like actually does have effects on that stuff. So having that standardized testing would be damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, altitude and humidity and temperature, you know, we've been doing it for 14 years and, uh, I, I think that's kind of a, an old wives tale. I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. Thanks for um, telling me that, Ava. Well, there you go. Thanks for making Sean look time, stupid. You know? <laughs> well, well, people talk about that all the time. So it's not, it's not unintelligent to think that that would matter. But it's just there's very few people that have actually practically tested that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, whenever we're doing testing, you know, we'll, we'll we'll test something that's completely unique that's never been tested before. You know, and my brother and I will look at each other and be like, ha, this is cool. You know, we're the first ones doing this type of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's only, I mean, what, seven or ten groups of people in the United States that actually have experience with this stuff, yeah. really? You know, and so it, it makes sense that there's old wives' tales like that out there. But, I mean, we've tested in, you know, 20 below in Wisconsin winter versus 80 degrees in a Wisconsin summer, same platform, same ammo and have got the same silencer and have gotten nearly identical results. So I don't think temperature and humidity and stuff like that has as big of a, has nearly as big of a, a play on what happens. I think the biggest thing is that people don't standardize platforms, ammo types, me, uh, meter sound testing equipment actually, because that was another thing I was talking to this military customer yesterday and, uh, you know, he said, well, we're going to fly back overseas and we're going to, you know, test the sample units with the client, you know, and we're going to, we're going to be buying sound measuring equipment to do this testing. And I said, well, what sound measuring equipment are you going to be buying? You know, he said, I don't know yet, you know, and I said, well, just so you're aware, there is sound measuring equipment available that does not meet the mill standard definition because it doesn't measure the peak, uh, sound pressure level fast enough. It doesn't sample the data fast enough. So essentially under samples. So if you had a can that was performing, you know, and for like for this customer, it was a 300 blackout firearm. And, and so they wanted to hit 120, they wanted to hit 120, I think, uh, four decibels or less. Right. And, um, Dang. I said, if you, if you, if you have a meter that's not mill standard, it, it might be showing you 122 versus a, a meter that is mill standard that could be showing you 124. Because the, the mill standard meters are sampling more data faster so they can measure the, the, a higher peak, you know, versus meters that are not capable of that. So yeah. I, I wouldn't, I mean, as a consumer, I wouldn't put a huge stock in metering. I think it's interesting, you know, to look at and it's definitely cool to see companies that are investing in the R and D. But I mean, unless you're buying hundreds and hundreds of silencers for a special mission unit or something like that. And you want to make for damn sure that they've got the best kit out there. Mm -hmm. I don't think it really matters as much. You know, I mean, there, there are cans that are heinously loud in the industry that are selling because, you know, some people aren't looking at that kind of stuff. I I think people put a little bit too much emphasis, emphasis on sound metering. I mean, if you ever have the, I always tell people if you have the opportunity to go to a demo, a demo shoot, which a lot of dealers host demos, Mm -hmm. then Go out there, listen to it. There will be Griffin cans on the line. There will be Silencer Co. cans on the line. There will be, you know, Advanced Armory cans on the line. And then you can hear the stuff compared to each other. And that that's kind of the best way to do it, you know, in my opinion, is shoot what you like. If your friend has a can, you know, and you're like, man, that can's nice, you know, buy the can, right? I mean, you saw it in person. No big deal. So, yeah, definitely agree. So I was looking at your uh, Instagram and there's a lot of uh, Q&A chats that you do. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we do Q and A's. We, we try to do Q and A's every Friday unless we're terribly busy. 
what we do for Q and A usually around four o'clock Central Standard Time is uh, we basically just bring a product into the room. Uh, you know, we usually bring a product in the room. We we touch on a product. We field people's questions. So if anybody ever has a question, they can hit us up on Instagram. They can direct message us. Say, hey, I'd really like you guys to discuss you know this product that you have. You know, we have 160 SKUs in our product catalog, so we've got a shit ton of product. So and, and so you know it would take you know years to touch on every one of them in a Q and A session. But if people have questions, they can hit us up. We'd be happy to uh, you know talk about that stuff. But so we we usually do a little bit of a product highlight. You know, then we then we try to get drunk because it's Friday, and <laughs> then uh, sometimes you know that unravels into being not completely politically correct or appropriate. Yeah, join the club. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's my life right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can't, if you can't, I mean that's the other thing too. I tell people, I don't do this job because we make decent money. I mean, we do we do okay, right? But I, I think I'm I'm willing to bet my ass that if I actually tried hard. I could probably get land a job with a bigger corporation in the next 18 months and make more money. Right. So it's like, it's not about the money. It's about the passion. And, and it's also about being able to manage yourself and do the things that you want to do. I always tell people the reason why most guys left the military is because they were, they were sick of that environment, you know, where it was just very rigid, very, very corporate, very structured. And it's like people like, I I like people in the industry that are a little bit more loose, even if it, offend some people like mm-hmm. i'm not easily offended so yeah absolutely <laughs> but all yeah right. so it's just a fun time that's all sounds good very cool so where can listeners find you um so we don't do podcasts i think this podcast is really cool uh we've thought about doing a podcast but i, I don't know shit about this stuff so we don't <laughs> do this um but i think it is cool uh, and i appreciate you guys having us on oh absolutely um, but we're on, you know, our social media channels are basically instagram facebook and then we are going to be investing more time in youtube but otherwise, I mean, we do have a customer service phone number. If anybody has questions about our products, you know, that's staffed uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five, you know, and that number's on our website. Uh, GriffinArmit.com is where you can find our products and more information on our company and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I really appreciate the, uh, you know, the invite to come on the show and I had a good time. Yeah, definitely, man. We, we, we definitely appreciate it. Go check them out. Griffin underscore armament on Instagram, GriffinArmament.com, all that good stuff. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, definitely go check out griffinarmament.com. And uh, Evan, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right. Thanks so much to our guest. And now it's time to talk about the good people, the fine folks, the Canadian folks at Matador Arms. Dang, I just started craving like maple cookies. I just started craving poutine. Do they have ma- they have maple right in Canada? I think so. I think that's a big. Or thing maybe up there. it's just like the the flag kind of reminds me of like maple syrup. Isn't that where the Saint Bernards <laughs> with the little casks of whiskey around their neck come from? I don't know, but if it is, I want to go there now. What about the Mounties? You know what they have there? What ketchup chips? Uh, that is true. That, that <laughs> we Annika got sent, sent us. Yeah. yeah, from Matador Arms. Yeah. All right, so that that's definitely some good stuff that's that's up in Canada. You know but- what else is really good? What. Their muzzle devices. Their muzzle devices are pretty dope. I will definitely say that. Now, you may be asking, muzzle devices, what does that even mean? But they've actually got quite a few of them. They've got the Flare Stack mm-hmm. is one of them. I'm trying to remember all the names. The Stinger is another one of them. Uh-huh. And do you know what the Stinger is? Uh, I do. Okay. So the Stinger is basically a linear compensator. Uh, and I actually just came across the one and I was like, oh, you should put this on that rifle that you're changing. Did you tell me that? No, I didn't tell you yet because yeah. I just I just found oh. it. I was like, oh, this is perfect for the rifle that oh, she's working good. on. Oh, yeah. good. Perfect because, yeah, I've been looking for a muzzle device for that. Yeah. So uh, they've also got the hammerhead and the flare stack is actually pretty cool. It's like a square shape. Uh, but the cool thing is, is that this stuff works really well and the prices are actually really, really good as well. So whether you need a linear compensator or a brake, uh, whatever it happens to be, you can go check it out. Matadorarms.com. And I'm pretty sure that you don't have to pay full price because they don't have to pay full price. Yeah, pull price even. Yeah, pull price, full price, you name it. You don't have to pay you it. You don't, yeah. Yeah. Gun Funny 10 gets you 10% off. And they sponsor our prank call segment. Let's get into that. It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! Hello, I was looking for some advice on a firearms purchase, please. Okay. I, I, so I want to 
find a firearm to buy my wife a, a Christmas present. And so the, here's the thing is she doesn't really like guns. So I want to get something that's like she would think is for her. But when she doesn't really want it, I'll take it to the range and shoot it. So what's like, okay. what's the most unisex gun that you could think of? You just want something for like target practice or you want her to carry it around? Well, she's not going to do any of that because she hates guns. So I'm buying it for her to give her as a gift. But then when she doesn't want it, I want it to be something that I like. But it also okay. has to be something that she thinks I bought for her. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Uh, 22 pistol? Mm, I'm, I'm a little more manly than that, I think. What do you think? Like a 9mm? Yeah, maybe something like that. What's a what's a unisex gun, the best one? And nine? Uh, I mean, any of them, really. Um, would uh, you be able to like, bring her up here? Uh, probably not. She doesn't really like guns. Uh, so, you know, and plus, I don't know that it would, uh, I think everyone would kind of figure out what I was doing if I did that. Cause I'd be like, Oh, look <laughs> at this one. I love it. And she'd be like, I hate it. And I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to buy it. Okay. Mer- um, Merry Christmas, you harpy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I need something that screams like I'm a lady, but also something that I could take to the range and look pretty cool with, you know? I, mean, I think they're all really unisex. Uh, um, that, I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah, maybe um, like you know the little cross or the arrow uh, sex symbols. Maybe something that has both of those on it. I don't know. Well, uh, most of our guns don't have like designs or anything on them. Okay. Um, well, dang it! I just I thought that there was going to be something that I could figure figure out. And uh, uh, Malcolm. Yeah. What are you doing? I was just calling my friends. Okay. Well, dinner's ready. Okay. Hey, I got to go. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That guy, he was like, I don't fucking want to be on this phone anymore. (laughs) I got to say, I should should really start taking tips from Malcolm. That's what I need to do when I go Christmas shopping is just like buy stuff that people probably won't need or use and then they're gonna end up giving it to me i'm getting so fucking mad right now (laughs) oh who said i'm getting you anything (laughs) okay but i might actually now shut up (laughs) i'm gonna i'll be wise to your game stupid (laughs) (laughs) that brings us to polymer 80 our little buddy boy friends over at polymer 80 right (laughs) If I'm not allowed to say our friends at Polymer 80, you're not allowed to say it either. All right, so check it out. Polymer 80. What do they make? Check it. 80% stuff. But they also make 100% stuff like barrels and triggers and slides. And slides. Oh, my. Yeah, they they have so much. Like, really, it's almost, it's almost the one-stop shop. I know that they are preparing to hopefully be the one-stop shop, but... Yeah, for your um, custom, not, not a Glock. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, what I, you know what I really like, actually? No. Is their PF series their slide parts kit? Uh huh. So I put that on the oh yeah the uh, the CL the newest frame that yeah. they came out PF with PF nine forty CL. Mm-hmm. And the extractor uh, it comes in different colors. Yeah, because you got like a gunmetal gray slide, and the extractor was like matching. It was well, it's kind of like a bronze actually. Yeah. So uh, it it was uh, a- a- accenting. Yeah, but it looks really cool. I, I completely agree, actually. And it, it's like weird because you don't think like bronze and gunmetal gray go well together, but oh, no, it actually looks really, really cool. And then it also comes in uh, like gray and red, and they have a bunch of different colors. And at first, I was like, "Why did they? Why did they color it? It's going, you know, in the slide." And then I realized, "Oh yeah, you still see the the extractor, so mm-hmm. looks pretty cool." Yep, definitely does. Polymer eighty dot com. That's P O L Y M E R eight zero dot com. Coupon code. If you want to save money, I can't remember what is it. I'm just forgetting. Why do I that. always? It's not my job to always say the coupon codes. Well, Sean, I just, I'm trying to bring you into. Okay, this. we'll try to remember for now on. Uh, okay, it's gun funny. Oh my god, it's not that hard. I just wish that I I knew better. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> Tactic talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it, hate it, find out now. So, Ava, you went on a trip to Montana to visit Falcor Defense. I did. All right. Now, tell me about it, and uh, I'll be back in five minutes. I'm going to go okay. get okay, a drink great. or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I went to Falcor Defense. They're located in 
Kalispell, Montana. Uh, say Cal- that again for me. Kalispell. Uh, Kalispell. That's close. I don't know. It's, it's close enough for government work. It just it reminds me of like cows or something. Cowspell. Cow. Yeah. Oh, it's like it's like uh, Harry Potter. And- Wait a minute. Are you really leaving right now? Uh, no, I can hear you. I'm just going to get a drink. Oh, okay. I thought you were like going to go use the restroom. No. Okay, cool. Don't yeah. worry. Tell them about it. Not me. I don't care. You told me all about it. Uh, so yeah, Harry Potter and the Glass of Milk uh, from Cowspell. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I haven't been to Montana in years and it's really pretty. And uh, I will say, so I went to their facility, super nice facility, like really legit. Um, they have like a really nice green room. They have a studio uh, where they're recording a bunch of stuff and uh, they make 90% of their parts are are in-house, which a lot of companies can't say. And so they toured me all over, you know, they showed me all the machines and stuff. We got some some pretty cool pictures. Well, Ava, so one thing I'm not clear on, like you mentioned green room and like all kinds of other awesome stuff, like lots of machines and high technology. Again, Clearly, I wasn't listening. I was over getting some whiskey. But what what product does Falcor make? So they make a bunch of different gun parts. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I mean they they have completed ARs and stuff. And uh, I I did actually bring home one of their Dracos barrels. Yeah. In six point five Creedmoor. So that's going to be my newest project. Very cool. I became aware of Falcor a few years ago. Um, Nick actually went to visit Falcor as well. My friend Nick and. Uh, was really impressed with a lot of the stuff that they had. And I can only imagine that it's gotten so much better over the years. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was really impressive. Like I got to handle all of their stuff. I got to see a lot of the, uh, secret squirrel stuff that they have. Oh, okay. Uh, tell me what it was. Uh, no. And actually I don't even think I did tell you. No, I don't think you did. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. I'll have to ask them if it's okay if I share that information with you. Get out of here. I'm not sure. Um, but I will say that they were really friendly and they definitely made me feel like family uh, I spent a lot of time with Melinda. Her and I hit it off really well. So who's Melinda? Melinda's the owner of Falcor. Oh, and I, you know, Falcor was uh, the big dragon thing that they wrote in the Neverending Story. No, mm-hmm. in what the Neverending Story? Yeah, the Neverending Story. La da da da. Yeah. Okay. Great. Why don't you have another drink? Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you've never seen that movie. <laughs> I've never, and I'm not planning on it now after that song. <laughs> so, yeah, headed off really well with Melinda. We went out to lunch a few times. She actually had me over at her house for dinner. She took me, because, like, like, I really didn't want to leave her side. Like, her and I, it's like we almost, like, knew each other, like, longer than just that weekend and so i went to uh that was a weird way to say it felt like we've known each other forever (laughs) i mean you know when you just like hit it off with somebody Mm -hmm. and so her and i like hit it off really well and uh she even brought me to like her kids basketball game and yeah it was a lot of fun actually i really enjoyed my trip there and then uh this is falcor by the way from Neverending story okay yeah you should have just said that weird fuzzy dragon dog yes yeah i hate that what? Yeah, actually, I watched that when I was younger, and it was always in my nightmares. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? I no. In I fact, wanted to be a Treyu. I don't care if you can close that window right now. I'm gonna play the clip. Don't. I'm no. gonna be so oh, mad. Okay, I'm not allowed to play clips on this show. No, you can't. Yo, you just try to play it. <laughs> I'm so happy that it didn't actually work. <laughs> no, but that that is awesome, and you had a lot of great things to say when you came back. Sounds like you had a lot of fun. It sounds like they've got like a top flight. Uh, machine shop. I, I don't even know if that's like an insult to what they have. I saw pictures and uh, like just really super huge, lots of machines, lots, lots of work going on, making some pretty badass rifles. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I said, I'm really excited for my newest project. 6.5 Creed Yeah. I'm not, I'm not jealous. You're jealous. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's uh, that's cool. I, I, I didn't want to build a cool Falcor uh, rifle or anything. You know what you do want to do? What? Read the iTunes reviews. Oh, all right. I guess I'll read the iTunes reviews. Uh, first off, if you haven't left us a review, please go. You're just mad now because I pulled up Falcor, right? I don't literally never. I don't even want to think about it. I don't know what. Yeah. Just read the iTunes uh, review. I'm going to go get a drink now. Okay. I don't know what a I'll be right back. ever did to you, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. So iTunes reviews, if you haven't left one, go leave one. Um, I, I'm honestly in shock. I don't even know what's happening in my life right now. 
Uh, or you can leave one on Facebook. We appreciate that too. I'm going to go ahead and read them right now before I actually get stabbed or shanked or shivved or something like that. Uh, from NMK123456789, five stars. Great show. I just stumbled across. I was looking for something to listen to and took a chance. Been listening to back podcasts. Just love the show as much. I became a Patreon. Just love the show as much. I became a Patreon. Thank you, Ava and Sean. That is uh, very cool. Thank you so much. I'm really glad that you found the show. And, and, uh, and really glad that you became a Patreon. Yeah, definitely. I wonder who it is. I wonder, are you... Uh, I, I clearly said if it was you're NMK. One, two, uh, yeah, but I don't know who NMK is. Well, initials NK, first name Nathan, maybe? Hmm. Yeah, I bet it is. Maybe. Yeah, I bet it is. Yankee Wait, Scott... There's a lot of Patreons that we have that haven't joined our Facebook group. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, thank you. NMK one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. Uh, Yankee Scott 15 says five stars. Good. If it wasn't for Mr. Guns and gear, I'd have no clue. This show was out there. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Welcome Yankee Scott. We're so glad to have you. Can I just say that I love Mr. Guns and gear. Like he's such a great guy in the yeah. sense that he was on our show and then he actually shared it. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many people <laughs> we've had on the show. And uh, I would say they, 90%. I mean, yeah. I mean, not to complain about. Oh no, not ninety percent. I mean, there's probably ten percent that actually doesn't share it. Like for the most part, people do share it, but I think it's really rude. Okay. And I'm and I take notes. All right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, on my shit list. Uh, somebody got a list and they're checking it twice. <laughs> they know whether you shared it or not. That's, uh-huh. that's what I'm saying. Uh, escaped Cali to Texas, five stars. I was pleasantly surprised. I honestly thought I was going to hate this podcast. What? What? Why? But it gets better. When I heard that this podcast was being released, I expected a sophomoric string of prank calls that would grow old quickly. And that's what you got. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. You can imagine my surprise when I discovered that the show actually has content and the prank calls are actually icing on the cake as opposed to old dry white cake. God damn it. That was a bag on me. Uh, They have great hosts that provide fantastic insight into the gun industry and Ava and Sean bring out the best in those guests. Did I say hosts? I meant guests. Give it a listen, like me. I'm sure you'll find that it's much more interesting and informative than you first imagined. Well, thank oh. you, Escaped Cal. I'm I trying know. to think who moved. Oh, uh, I wonder if that's Nick F. That could be. He he moved from California to Texas. I don't know. Yep. All right, Nick, if that's you, buddy. High five, bro. I know. I mean, it was like at first he started off as a diss and then it, you know, started off as a compliment. Yeah, it was a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. Well, kind. actually, but it was the opposite. It was a dis. It was a comp- dis to comp. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. It was a, it was a dissament. Yeah. Either way, you know, five stars. Yep. And we appreciate you. Should we pick a winner? Yeah. Escaped Cali to Texas has to be the winner. It was the longest. Okay. You just got so mad again. It's like the Falcor thing all over again. Yeah. The never You're any right. story. No. <laughs> Ow. Don't hit me. This is why I like it better when you record remotely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this show up, guys. It's just, you can only pack in so much fun into uh, however long this episode ends up being. But first off, you can find us everywhere, or you can find us at one place, and that's gunfunny.com. From there, you can click links that will fulfill your wildest dreams and imagination. You can also find us uh, well at, on gunfunny.com. There's a store where you can buy patches and stuff. We're about to release a new patch like any day now. We're I just, just bought a shirt that said I support gun bunnies. No, it says I support gun funny. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? I did this joke two weeks in a row. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny to me. I don't care. You can, like, buy, wow. you can buy the I really, shirt. That I, need says, a, I need a new co-host. <laughs> yeah, she is hiring. Uh, I support Gun Funny. Uh, it's got gun bunnies crossed out because gun bunnies suck. I know it. You know it. So who are we bullshitting? And uh, that's all available. Gunfunny.com. Become a Patreon. Like the Patreon group. The Patreon group's fun. Uh, but They are. The I gun mean, funny. only join if occasionally we'll talk shit to you a little bit. Yeah, if you like to party. Um, yeah, if you join. like to party. Um, usually I'm I'm drinking, I get on there, I talk shit to everyone. And then other times I'm like, Oh, I'm having a bad day. Cuddle me. And every, all the all the white knights come out and weird. Well, yeah, that didn't really happen, but No, none of that happened. But still you should come join the Patreon group because it is fun. It's yeah, it's a shit show. If you guys enjoy a shit show. The number of giveaways that that get sent to the Patreons of Gun Funny is awesome. It's very high. Very high. So we actually have to come out. up with a new, another giveaway. Yeah. Or like, a, like once we hit another mark. Definitely. 
And I'll tell you what, like Patreon, it is a way for you guys to support the show and be part of some behind the scenes shenanigans that, that you may not normally know about. But one of the cool things is it really helps us make this show better. It helps us buy equipment. Uh, and one of the best things is it helped us hire an amazing editor and that is Kenny Ortega. And we could not make this yeah. show the quality that it is because i'm sure it's not going to well, edit all this bullshit out yeah and because of you guys like yeah we can afford kenny ortega yeah and like i mean and you know he's, he's like a pretty big name podcast producer like, he's huge in yeah. the industry mm-hmm. yeah like we didn't want to just hire some winky dink you know intern no we got the man yeah the myth the legend kenny you know ortega. who else we have who 25 dollar patreons first off let's each say their name. Okay. I'll, I'll say the first one, then you say the second okay. one. I'll say the third. But we're no, gonna do you it. say the second because I don't like the second one. I always screw up their name. Okay. that's. I fair. mean, I like the second but one. But we got to go but... like super fast okay. back and forth. No fucking okay. around. Ready? Yeah. Corbin Bowden. Iraq Veteran 8888. Charge Arms. Ryan Morrison. John Snow. Are those the $25 Patreons? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was saying, so I asked myself a question, then I answered my own question. Uh, these are broadcasting miracles, folks. This is what you learn when you're a podcaster at podcasting school. All right. Who's the king of the Patreons? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you are not impressed with my shenanigans tonight. Uh, 2A Jules is the king of the Patreons. We actually had John Porter on our last episode. Uh, great dude making some really beautiful jewelry. And uh, you can unseat him. Uh, what's the what's the dollar amount to unseat the king? Uh, $76. Yep. I did see that uh, former king, uh, deposed king, uh, mm-hmm. Charger Arms, was wearing his king of the Patreon shirt. So as king, uh, we get to read whatever you tell us every single week and you get a king of the patreon shirt which i think is pretty awesome so two a jewels is the king now you can unseat him but until then go check him out two a jewels on facebook and instagram beautiful bullet casing style type i bet you it's not too late to put in an order jewelry no it's not actually it may don't quote me but yeah if you guys are looking for those those last minute christmas presents definitely hit up to a jewels definitely and if you want to become a patreon after hearing all that go to patreon.com slash gunfunny don't forget to check out our website gunfunny.com and uh you know i think that's gonna do it ava do you have anything else uh no i'm gonna go drink now all right well i mean i'll, I'll go drink too i mean i'm drinking right now want to send feedback suggest a place to prank call tell us about a company or anything else go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact